If not, if not out loud, then over Slack. I remember just laughing so much because I was like, what? <laughs> it's like it's because he's a Libra Virgo, Virgo okay. cusp. Uh, like, this <laughs> fucking thing is finally working. Okay. And it, we can start And now, now when I um, call anyone a genius, I say, I bet you're on the cusp. You're on the cusp. Yeah, you must you're be on, on the cusp. Right on the rim. <laughs> <laughs> Only geniuses can work the rim. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was listening to too much Joe Rogan experience. I hope you have no a samurai thing. sword. Okay, look. So, I misplaced my copy of the show intro at the job that I just left, and I don't have a way to get it back. I'm hoping that my friend Matthew, who composed it for us, has a copy somewhere, but I wasn't going to wait around for it because the show is already late. So just pretend this is the intro. Doop, 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 doop. You get the idea. I'm sorry. By the way, that was a good episode. I really liked uh, the last episode because... I- you only like it because you weren't on it. That's partially true, but the other reason I you liked it... hunch. That's my shoulder, oh, shoulder blade. blade. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um... Uh, the only the other reason I really enjoyed it was because um, I just thought that the conversation was a lot less awkward than usually, and also um, I have no interest. Yeah, that's editing. Yeah, well, well, that's what I'm trying to shout out to our editor. Um, but also, what I really liked was that I had no personal interest in like doing a deep dive on any of those characters. So I'm gr- grateful that you all did, <laughs> so that you wouldn't have to. Yeah, that's why you liked the episode. Well, well like, we would have made you choose someone else. I would have I, I would have picked Mariah Carey. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Look, I like Mariah Carey as much as the next man. I'm not sure she's, she's actually that interesting, though. I, well, it would just be like me commenting on how wonderful she is. Because she's ridiculous. The Christmas song. That Christmas song. The one with her slamming Eminem. And also dressed up as Eminem in the video. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I did like the episode. All right. I liked it. Um, primarily because I thought that you wove in and out of pretty complex topics and then ended up kind of having a like an, a, an accessible take on all these all these figures. And um, yeah, I was particularly piqued by um, kind of some of the broader questions about the cult of like tech geniuses. And accessible um, is like the world's nicest, smartest sounding word for dumb. That's not true. I'd rather. It's not true. I'd rather, like, the uh, as someone who, uh, the thing I hate most about any kind of tech-related discussion is when someone just starts throwing around jargony words, and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? What does that mean? Or they use really bad syntax. It's like overwrought sentence structure because they they'd never actually, like, listened in English class. But they're dev geniuses. That's why here on Hacks... This is the jargon-free tech podcast. We're not gonna, we're not gonna bore you with, with the nonsense. We're gonna give you the straight goods because no one else will. What a tagline! We make it easy to understand so you can lean in. Have your moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's the lean in podcast. Really? I also didn't realize that Elizabeth Holmes <laughs> dropped her voice that way. So yep. I would like to do that for the rest of this podcast. I'm yes, going to try and speak. <laughs> That's bang on. <laughs> That's, That's very good. 
So you can hear that the gang is all back together. We've got Rosemary, as always. Hi, guys. And we got a Rob. Hi, I'm Rob. And Morale has rejoined the flock. Hey, bots. <laughs> fellow bots. Fellow, fellow Russian bots. We're all Russian bots, aren't we? We convinced her to come back. Where were you last week? Work. Cool. <laughs> I was working my day job. Hey, uh, Morale, I want, uh, I'd like you to, to explain further what you mean by peaked, peaked by our, our previous discussion. I think that needs some elaboration. Ooh, I don't know what you're talking about, Rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brutal. Oh, you said um, I was peaked by the last bit of episode five, re- electric cars and solar. What do you mean by peaked? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was. I was. Um, I think that's, that tapped into like a a quandary or I guess an interest of mine, um, which is kind of the unsustainability of technological advancement, which is ironic given that it's often sold as a panacea for all problems. Um, and I think, recall, if I recall correctly, that episode ended with kind of a, a pretty like general discussion where Rosemary and Rob were like, oh, yeah, you know, Tesla, at the end of the day, it's not so bad because it'll get, you know, if it popularizes, popularizes electric vehicles, and that's great. And I was like, that's garbage. Yes, Simon, you are correct. And that is what I mean. <laughs> okay, so it's two against two. Against two. Let's, let's hear it out. Let's have it out. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, one of the big questions that, that kind of emerged for me as I was listening to that um, episode, especially on the topic of kind of unsustainability of technology, is like, okay, first of all, what do we mean by, um, when we're thinking about kind of uh, technological advancement to kind of solve essentially kind of the ecological death of our planet, which has occurred, we just haven't fully realized it yet, I think. Like, I'm, I'm pretty convinced we're in the middle of our own extinction right now. Um, what are the trade-offs you're willing to make? Because one of the things that really pisses me off is that you often hear um, politics kind of pushed aside in, in, tech, in, in technological circles, which is something that we talk about on this show. But then, especially with kind of the ecological question and sustainability in particular, um, really bad economic arguments and red herrings are often used to um, rationalize, well, you know, it's other kind of solutions, I guess. So, so how do you justify your position, Rosemary and Rob? Like, what? what's Tesla's the benefit? Teslas are cool. Case closed. I don't know. <laughs> That's your response? You still, like, as, as Simon pointed out, you still need carbon to be able to develop electric cars. So, then, should we develop electric cars, for instance? Well, I, I think you're getting into, you know, quantitative kind of arguments that no one on this podcast panel is equipped to answer looking at the total carbon impact of producing and maintaining an electric car versus just having a gasoline powered car. I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are. The numbers don't matter because they're values at the end of the day. Okay. So then I would choose to, to go on the side of goodness in the world and say, I value having, you know, electric vehicles. I don't know. That's fair. Um, sure. Episode over. To, <laughs> to use a really terrible metaphor that's that's for some reason popular, the the Tesla's the tip of the spear. Why why people like this metaphor? I don't know. Of this this needed change. I mean, cars aren't aren't going away. 
I don't know. It's kind of simple. We even we even need that pipeline out in uh, out in Alberta, <laughs> arguably oh, for that reason. Fuck. <laughs> no, no. Thanks, no, Rosemary. No, no, no. <laughs> you sandbagged me. How did I sandbag you? Because you came with your like academical ideas. You were just like justify your existence. I didn't say justify your existence. <laughs> like it's just the regular blue collar guy on this podcast. I represent a yeah. viewpoint that maybe a lot of people don't share. I think I'm the most sense. blue collar on this podcast. Who here did not go to uh, Canada's Ivy League schools? Put up your hand. You went to U of T. Oh, yeah. You went to U of T. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought the Ivy League. I thought it was Queens. Is there any other? Queens is Queens the is Ivy League and U of T is not the Ivy League? Get Burn your diploma, Rosemary. Come on. So... As you maybe can tell already, the basic concept for this episode is that we, uh, is that morale did in fact listen back to our last episode, and that got her all fired up about the idea of sustainability and unsustainability in tech. And uh, if, I'm not going to read to you verbatim the notes that she left in our group planning document, but um, I can tell that it put a fire in her belly, and considering she was a... Uh, tragically absent for our last episode i thought i'd let you take point on this one (laughs) fair enough i think one of the things well i mean i think a good kind of entry point into this discussion comes from something that you actually uh shared with the group simon this morning she's at lucid motors to kind of dovetail on your conversation about uh good old elon and tesla lucid motors just closed a billion dollar deal with saudi arabia to fund electric car production and who are lucid motors some folks they're like a luxury electric car company i think they're american yeah but i guess a competitor been, to tesla yeah they're a competitor right and and they've been having kind of a hard time securing some footing so to say because tesla has that big dick energy right um and uh but i think kind of the some of the tensions between sustainability and how it gets discussed in, in kind of technology circles broadly, if you want to put it that way. Um, and, you know, with my experience in particular uh, amongst kind of cryptocurrency enthusiasts or even kind of the ecosystem, for lack of a better way to put it, is captured in the fact that this this electric car company, which I, I reckon um, as, as little as I know about it, is, is kind of meant to bring uh, electric, like make, you know, really beautiful, fancy luxurious electric cars um has now signed a deal with saudi arabia which you want to talk about like fossil fuels meets supposed sustainability like i think the contradictions are quite apparent there and that often something that is presented as being really quite good for the planet because it's kind of wrapped up in this myth of human ingenuity that like oh humans can solve anything whoa um all of a sudden gets kind of deployed and uh, by the same fuckers who are partially responsible for ruining the planet. Can I just add, uh, Morale, from what I understand, your basic point of view is that we're already going extinct. And then all, all of this uh, celebratory nonsense about how tech will fix it is a mass delusion. And we're all going to find ourselves sadly, sadly mistaken one day in our faith in tech is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah i guess i didn't realize i was so sad um about it um <laughs> i 
think um, it's kind of a sa- it's a sad message. I would say that's a, that's a pretty sad message. <laughs> And I heard you say that before. I think, um, Simon, did you have something to say? No, I, I didn't have anything to say except that I was going to apologize for laughing because I know how much you're disgusted by the sound of men's laughter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only disgusted by the sound of, like, uh, straight white men laughing and enjoying life who are, like, I don't know, love Jordan Peterson. I guess that's... <laughs> you two are exempt. So all men. No. <laughs> <laughs> but not do- all men, everyone. <laughs> not on this and podcast. Morale, Listen I have to-, to hacks for the sound of <laughs> great white straight men laughing. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still waiting for your Elizabeth Holmes voice, Morale. <laughs> I can drop it right now. So one of the, to return to your point, Rosemary, um, I can't do that. But um, I think, you good. know... I, I did realize that she sounds a lot like me, um, <laughs> which is also problematic. But um, to get back to your point, Rosemary, I think, um, I don't know if like, I guess I shouldn't present it as so dire, but my my concern is that the discussions about sustainability um, often are just so superficial and um, lazy, frankly, like they're intellectually lazy. Um, one really good example that comes to mind is, uh, you know, Bitcoin waste, right? Like, so this, there's this constant kind of every couple months, this kind of goes around crypto Twitter, like some latest researcher. And I'm, for those of you at home, I'm using um, air quotation marks here um, because half the time these researchers that are like uh, writing and, and publishing some fucking medium posts, which is not uh, super rigorous in my opinion, um, you know, are going on and on about like, oh, well, Bitcoin's not bad for the environment. And then they use these stupid red herring arguments about how actually, you know, you can perform economic arbitrage, meaning that like you know, mining companies will just um, <clears throat> relocate to places with like cheaper hydropower and hydropower is essentially kind of renewable. So who fucking cares anyway? Or I saw an article recently that pointed out that, oh, well, look, there are like so many really interesting, like sustainable ways you can uh, mine Bitcoin that's good for the environment using renewable fuels. And it cited this shitty fucking sounding startup out of Drumheller, Alberta, looking to use essentially liquefied natural gas <laughs> vented methane. Um, as Which is a- essentially clean coal. Clean coal. Yeah, think of that. For those of you who aren't aware of what the stuff is, just go Google it, spend 45 minutes, and then like think about how your life sucks. Um, and you know, going on about how that's renewable. Well, that's not necessarily the case because you're still having to build the infrastructure. Um, methane vented is still not actually removing any greenhouse gases from the environment, from the atmosphere. It's just like potentially reducing the output. So yeah, I guess I think it's all lazy. Should we maybe, uh, I know, I think I promised a long time ago that we were going to try to steer away from explaining Bitcoin or blockchain or any of that stuff, but I feel like maybe just for the lay people out there, we should have a, a quick explainer of why it takes energy to generate Bitcoin and what that means. Sure. Um, well, you- there's there's also the background that, 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 that the people on this podcast, for those of at home who don't know this, all work together at a... Bitcoin consultancy called the Octagon. And <laughs> but it has some significance. Not the real name. We worked with Satoshi. 
We in are Satoshi, go, actually. In case you go looking for the octagon and you're like, these people are frauds, that's not really what it's called. And it was a bonding experience that we still haven't recovered from. So that's that's why we're making that podcast, this podcast. Yeah, we met. We actually met and bonded afterwards in group therapy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're actually just nodes on the network. Yeah, we're not exactly. even people. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think we'd go off so quickly uh, into the Bitcoin stuff. Um, but yeah, so for an explainer, really quick explainer. Quick mansplain. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> spread out on the couch like nobody's business it's incredibly computationally intensive to generate bitcoin and like do the computer work of running the network um by design basically the whole thing is set up so that you can't fake bitcoin because it would uh require so much computing power that it's just like impractical um and the side effect of requiring all these computers working in tandem to make new bitcoins is that it uh, requires a lot of energy right so we're at the level now where I think it's in 2019, running the entire Bitcoin network is going to uh, take as much energy as the entire country of Ireland. And it's only going to um, increase exponentially from there. The network is set up that way. So this is like a major looming ecological crisis. Maybe not on the level of like burning um, carbon to power our cars, but like it's something that we need to think about. Uh, as this, as proponents of this technology would want it to take over the entire world. I uh, I heard a great argument the other day for why this actually isn't that bad, and it's my favorite example of um of a tech proponent argument. You'll probably recognize the logic. The logic was well, okay, so Bitcoin does use up a lot of energy, but think about how much energy the existing financial system uses. Ugh, I hate right? that argument. So yeah. stupid. <laughs> Or actual actual mining. Think about how much energy actual mining takes. And of course, takes. that's the that's the Bitcoin analog to the uh, driverless car argument of oh yeah, you see these these accidents, but look at how many more accidents regular cars have. Yeah, but there's like three people riding driverless cars. Yeah, the banking one. I mean, it it now we're sort of moving away from sustainability, but that really irked me because it imagines a world in which Bitcoin is the only finance, the only economy, the only monetary product, which will not be the case. Like you'd have to be seriously brainwashed to believe that, you know, if something uh, technology like Bitcoin ever actually takes hold in the mainstream, there are still going to be banks. There are still going to be financial institutions moving money around and making investments. Like it's ridiculous to me that you would have to be so ensconced in this world with your blinders on just your computer monitor and never going outside and experiencing uh, real life and the real economic system to believe that. Well, I, I think it is still a question of sustainability, right? And I mean, maybe you want to situate how we're how I'm thinking of sustainability it has to do with kind of, you know, being able to like continue living on planet Earth. Um, but, you know, there is an economic aspect to that, right? There's ecological, economic, social, however, political, they're all the vectors, all three, I think, of the main ones that um, are commonly kind of discussed. But with the, I think, in a sense, like that whole, oh, you know, the financial system kind of uses exists like, so much energy already. Well, if you're trying to develop something better, shouldn't it be better than the existing <laughs> version of like a financial system? And second to that, you sound like an idealist, Morale. <laughs> but like, what are you actually solving? And like, you know, to go back to what Rosemary said about, oh, let's compare it to mining, right? Real mining. Well, the thing about Bitcoin is that there are two layers of mining now because you still need the fucking hardware. 
And okay, you're going to make some improvements on that as time goes on. Sure. And okay, mining is going to be better as time goes on. Sure. But this, again, this whole argument of like, oh, we just kind of essentially kind of uh, encourage cleaner um, energy sources is bullshit because what happens is that you just have incentive measures to attract various types of energy projects to various jurisdictions. And one way to do this is through like carbon offsetting and offsets are just incentive mechanisms. So fuck all of you. (laughs) (laughs) So much hostility. Just moving incentives around. And if I can just quickly say as well, I mean, one of the the hooks that people use to sort of greenwash Bitcoin and similar technologies is that, oh, we're locating these mining centers um, in places that use sustainable energy sources, hydro, solar, wind, what have you. Um, <clears throat> what I gather is that one problem right now is that there is only so much green energy to go around. And so um, uh, if you are outputting, you know, 100 widgets worth of green energy and all of those are going to um bitcoin to power bitcoin mining centers then everyone else has to use carbon fuels so it's in terms of net impact on the entire energy system it's really not helping anything to use renewable energy just for bitcoin mining ridiculous argument so basically you're saying if we if i could say that the blockchain which is the uh uh Bitcoin's technology, the term for the Bitcoin technology, it's essentially it's a second internet. And as Morales said, there's a second, there's now there's a double, doubling of uh, mining efforts to produce value. So all, what we have is doublings that, that are both increase unsustainability, basically, and, and a faster, faster race towards extinction in Morales' terms. Am I, am I right about that? I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I, I, I mean, I think there are hopefully some opportunities as well. Um, yeah, like that one pizza guy who got paid in 27 bitcoins that's right. in like 1996. 25 or something. So, I mean, you well, no, I mean, I sort of wanted to steer this discussion away from Bitcoin because I feel like that's a, a <laughs> like do. we find it, it, we sort of have to find it interesting, but I don't think that means that our listeners do. I wanted to sort of zoom back out again. And uh, I mean, it was partially my fault because I asked for a definition and stuff, but I want to sort of zoom back out and discuss um, sustainability and and lack thereof. And um, I believe that this week you failed to read a book. Yeah. Me? (laughs) I fail to read books all the time. Yeah, that's every Uh, every week. (laughs) So you first you first you miss the movie and then you don't read the book. I was going to say I failed. And you missed an episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Wait, does that mean I'm out? Three strikes. Three right. strikes. Um, I did feel well. I, I have read the book, but it's been many years, and I don't remember it. Um, so I'm going to hold on to that. But one of the um, there are kind of these ideas, obviously, that circulate um, with regards to kind of uh, oh, I don't want to get theoretical, but the environment that focus really on kind of the the material experiences that we have and how even kind of the digital is rooted in this materiality, right? Like we can't get away from the fact that um, right now, you know, we're all conversing over essentially kind of wireless technologies, um, but we're still using hardware. Um, The internet still relies on actual um, like material goods to be able to transfer information um, and data across vast, vast spaces. Um, 
and you can't get away from that. And I think in, in, in the tech world, it's really easy to get seduced by these like really fancy ideas. And everybody wants to essentially have a neural network or neural link in their, in their lives. Um, if, especially for people who kind of grew up in, in the eighties or nineties, um, and even the seventies, those types of kind of, um, imaginations and, and kind of futures were, were really quite seductive. So I think culturally in the West, at least. And so I think it's hard to, it's hard to show up at the party when you know that like, the party's going to get busted, I guess. And mm-hmm. so people kind of suspend disbelief to be able to promote these ideas about like solutionism. I don't know. So you're saying that essentially, you know, all of these, let's take consumer technologies to start with, all of them have, you know, silicon and rare elements embedded in them and mm-hmm. require power to run. And so no matter how shiny the widget is, or it's made from some recycled materials, there's always going to be some sort of um, you know, existential environmental impact. I think so, unless if there's something out there that, you know, proves me wrong, which is great. And I think in some ways to not to zoom back into Bitcoin, but I think Bitcoin, you know, does open up a lot of opportunities to at least make that process less extractive um, in terms of what type of thinking has emerged as a result of that. Um, you know, how do we actually make certain processes um, you know, more censorship resistant or distribute them across time and space um, so that people can access finance. Maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. This is, this is inadvertently turning into the Bitcoin episode, which I didn't want, but now we're here. Uh, no, it's not. Well, but we're you, you did sort of this. hint at the... Let's, let's say as a podcast panel, we have the next two minutes to discuss Bitcoin <laughs> and its ideology, and then we're not going to mention it again during this episode. I'm with that. Yeah, that's good. Because I'd like to move on to other topics. Yeah, I'm starting a timer. Um, I, I think, you know, to segue kind of to zoom back out in a sense, um, I think, you know, if anything, Bitcoin's interesting for a variety of reasons. Let's just leave it at that. But what um, it illustrates, you know, capitalism always finds these ways to kind of uh, take root in these liberatory spaces, right? And so I guess one of my frustrations with the sustainability question, um, I think, you know, I really do believe that most people enter, um, you know, software development, computer programming, hardware or engineering for that matter, any of these kind of related um, industries, I think people go into them for the most part, really trying to, you know, fight that fascism that lurks within all of us is to paraphrase Foucault um, and Deleuze and Guattari's um, capitalism and schizophrenia. And this idea that essentially you've got this something that lurks within that you're trying to kind of make sure that you do good and, and fight it and not be uh, bad, not not allow power to seduce you, because I think that's in all of our heads, right? Um, and I think a lot of people approach problems with technology to say, hey, how do we get away from this? How do we actually make the world a better place? And does Elon Musk actually believe that? I don't know. But I think part of him probably does. I Sorry, this is our Bitcoin timer. Never mention it again on this podcast. I, I do... I substantially dispute the assertion that most people go into software development to enact this utopian world. I I don't know that we can quantify that. And my personal experience in the world doesn't match that. But I do think that you're right in that, um, you know, Silicon Valley grew out of this like very hippie sort of worldview that we can make um, the planet better or like human society better through technology. And I think that that is an ethic that whether it is now sincere or not, uh, has been an animating factor in the way that consumer technology has evolved over the past decades. Yeah, I would say, Rob, there's the whole history of open source uh, software development Mm -hmm. that 
that's really very impressive and, and kind of amazing what it's accomplished. And that's a very idealistic at its base. So um, maybe it's less so now, but it's certainly the roots are there that, 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 and it, and it was hippies tripping on acid. Uh, um. And yet, you know, all the, all the open source communities and all the Silicon Valley hippies in the world have all helped to bring us to this moment. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. So the yeah. law of unintended consequences. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> the best one. Well, and I think, you know, it's very easy to become, uh, to take, you know, take up these kind of subjectivities or subject positionings that um, are contradictory. And, you know, these hippies eventually turn into corporate capitalists, um, people who you're really into union busting, um, but then go on a podcast and say, you know, love is the answer. Um, that sounds kind of dialectical, bro. I don't think it's dialectical. I think it's multiplicitous, frankly. Um, <laughs> oh. Because I don't think they're... Uh, I, I think they can just operate in this kind of constellation or relational kind of... Um, s- these circuits of experiences that constantly shift and uh, coalesce and then diverge. They're openings and closures. Like a zero and a one. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> But I mean, it does kind of raise this question. I mean, one of the frustrations that for me, at least, is that, you know, I really do want like every time I come across some application or some, you know, uh, technological advancement that that does solve some problem, um, I'm super excited. And then I'm usually let down. Um, I don't know. Do you have this at all? Any of you? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's built into the DNA, like we were talking about, of, of the technology industry, like that from that whole hippy dippy beginning um, comes a, a respect, a purported respect for the environment. Um, I was reading, uh, doing a lot of good deep readings today to prepare for this um, episode, and I found a <laughs> Mashable article, five ways <laughs> that uh, the technology industry could improve the planet. And the number one way was greener products and the picture was a laptop so you can imagine just like a toshiba laptop that had a solar panel on the back (laughs) yeah so i mean it's there you know the demand is there yeah well (laughs) so you have to sit sit outside when you're doing your laptop work in other words which is the best place to to look at a laptop screen as we all know yeah exactly (laughs) i'm imagining a remake of hackers in like 20 years (laughs) where like 2024's sandra bullock equivalent has to like race to hack into something before her laptops like before the sun goes down so wait is this also like a i I, this obviously is also a partial remake of the movie in time hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) where they're running and then just like connect her laptop which has like no energy left to the next one so that the person can continue living. Um, but I, I think, you know, like that's that, the idea of a solar panel on a laptop. <laughs> making me laugh a lot. Um, but like, then what's the solution, right? Like you have to have something that makes it better. I don't know. It's got to be incremental or, you know, do we just throw it all out? A la end of Battlestar Galactica, the remake where oh, they just like, send technology away. <laughs> I just want to add that about the hippie origins of of in uh, in the unintended consequences of the digital re- revolution that we're we've been experiencing for the last twenty years or, or whatever. Jonathan Taplin has a book called "Move Fast and Break Things." Um, it's a very good rant, and he's from the perspective of someone who 
was in the mu- music industry and has seen, um, you know, it become increasingly harder for musicians to make money. So he really rails against the tech utopians in, in term- because of the consequences that have, uh, you know, ensued from that. And, and basically from that um, ethos of uh, information wants to be free. So just want to add that. I mean, my general view of, you know, tech as solution or whatever is, um, I mean, I have quite a cynical one because I've been on the inside of a lot of things where the way that people discuss wanting to provide solutions is either disingenuous or hopelessly naive. Like, not to uh, bring this back to the beep coin uh, area, but, you know, whenever people are talking about extrapolating the blockchain and trying to do stuff with that, the first use case they always bring up so that they seem like they're contributing is, you know, banking the unbanked, which oh, is like that. a thing, which is a thing we could spend an entire episode on. Uh, and we, we will, listeners. Yeah. And we should, yes. <laughs> we definitely. should. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, but, and it's it's always being, you know, thrown out by people who have never been to the places where the unbanked live and have, have never consulted the unbanked and really, frankly, for the most part, don't even intend to ever take the unbanked or their problems seriously. Um, But it seems to connect to this. I mean, there are way too many people who just hope that these solutions are going to be gifts from above from, you know, one corporation or another. And if you look at, uh, I hate to go kicking Tesla again, actually I don't, uh, but there was another story out of Reddit this morning. I don't know if you saw this, Rob. Um, They got a, what would on any other vehicle just be a ding. Uh, but because of where the ding happened, they have to basically total like it. It's it can't be replaced. Like they can't fix it. They have to just scrap basically scrap the vehicle. It's like a, it, it, on on a regular car, it would have been like a I don't know a five hundred dollar fix, and on this car, it's like a hundred grand. It's like <laughs> these yeah. things are not being built in a way that is sustainable. Even if you think that the idea of electric cars is cool, because at the end of the day. You know, they have the bottom line to think about. They that corporations are, by their very structure and nature, incapable of taking anything but the bottom line as their top consideration. If you are, uh, if you're on a board of directors and you're trying to, and you're trying to prioritize, you know, environmental uh, environmental initiatives over over profit, like you, could, you know, you could find yourself sued, <laughs> like you're for for not, you know, for. For betraying your uh, your stockholders, well, and especially uh, in that you know consumers demand such a high level of manufacturing and design sophistication in these consumer technology products. So Tesla and Apple are very similar in this way. I recently paid for a MacBook repair. <laughs> uh, someone spilled yeah. Earl Grey tea all over a MacBook in our household, and what they did what was they unscrewed the top of the MacBook, took the logic board out, and chucked it just like into an incinerator and put a new one in. Like there's no um, <laughs> sort of sort of like how someone unscrewed the top of the tea and poured it into your laptop. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, interesting. But um, there's no way to decompose these parts anymore because everything needs to be thinner and uh, quieter and, and cooler, right? Um, so it's it's not the fault of Tesla necessarily, in my view. It's the fault of the people who like want the shiniest, most sophisticated car that humankind could ever produce. Um, I just wanted to say something kind of uh, 
at the beginning of that story, you were talking about kind of, you know, how uh, people, there's like a ding on this car or whatever, and all of a sudden it got really expensive. One of the problems that I think, um, it just reminded me of something else where I think one of the problems with kind of the big, bigger kind of sustainability question with technology has to do with the fact that actually a lot of the technology that's being promoted as sustainable or better for the environment or better for the planet, um, you know, solar panels on your laptop is heavily untested over time. Um, and as a result, a lot of the research that comes out right away um, is being produced really quickly um, and often isn't a, like a, a very good capture of, of what its capabilities or where the challenges or opportunities lie um, because it's just essentially kind of trying to develop a baseline of understanding. Um, so, you know, for instance, like an example of this, like there was an article in The Guardian, I think last summer, um, about sort of a year ago, uh, about Boring, the Boring Company. Mm-hmm. We're just going to mm-hmm. punch down on, on Elon. Um, and, you know, it was like this hilarious, like, is is Tesla good? Is boring good? From a quantitative perspective, you know, this report from the Department of Transportation says yes. This guy at NASA says yes. But also, this other de- Department of Transportation report says no. And this other researcher says no. And there's just so much noise out there because no one's taking time, I think, to kind of do these really longitudinal studies. And if they are, we haven't heard from them yet. Um, and so I think that's one kind of key issue that's um, not tamper or not tempering all of the noise surrounding the naivete or even kind of stupidity of a lot of um, techno utopic approach. Yeah, approach. well, I, I feel like we can't take the time to do those kinds of studies now, right? Like the the pace of technological advancement is so fast now, and people's like society's attention is split in so many different ways, mm-hmm. and the power of innovation is so strong that we're developing all these different technologies all the time. That um, you know to to understand the long-term consequences of any of them before they go to market is is completely futile. And you need political will too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which we, I mean, obviously in the States, you're not going to have it because, I mean, look at them. Um, hey, the EPA is still around. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it's, it's it'll be up to full strength anytime now. Um, not that it ever got there in the first place. Um, I mean, in Canada, there is so much we could be doing in this country. And, you know, we've got the most milquetoast liberal garbage leadership um, yep. that just has no – there's no boldness whatsoever, ironically, given, given you know, how much they love to throw around innovation as a buzzword. If I could just uh, jump in and promote our October 17th weed episode, though, that's <laughs> going to be a big one for us. Are we having oh, a potty? October 17th, but what we should just say – why we're doing that episode is because that is the date when marijuana becomes legal in uh, Canada. So it's it's a big event. Uh, not all of the people on this podcast consume marijuana, but we think we need to. No. Um, yeah, celebrate and don't it don't be yeah. waiting for us to do a, a wacky episode where we're all high. We're not that desperate yet, but I mean, we'll probably get there at some point. <laughs> Also, some of us are that's old. That's the only thing we've planned for that episode so far. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's going to be the microdosing episode. We, yeah. we, we will be that oh, desperate damn. by October 17th. Um, but, I, but I think it's an interesting point that you raised, Simon, because you've got, like, I mean, half of the podcasters on the show live in Ontario or Ontario, um, where effectively your climate change strategy went yep. out the door on july 3rd of this year <laughs> so it's like you know between that and then you've got like all these other jurisdictions that have competing like everyone is racing to develop kind of these um uh, approaches that kind of meet 
various accords, um, international and, and otherwise, uh, it's just ridiculous. Like, I think there's just no one really knows what to do. There's like an inflection point. We've passed it. And it's just like, build it all to fix all the things. Well, and like, I feel like since we were, we're running out of time on this episode, um, I feel like we should try to have a little bit of hope, maybe, um, yes. because, you know, it's it's very dark otherwise. And then people are just going to quit and then pe- our numbers are going to go down. We're going to get depressed and that's no good. Uh, I mean, to my mind, what's what's needed, and I don't even know if this is hopeful really, is like it's not enough to hope that, you know, these these green innovations, these greenwashing initiatives are going to become sleek enough and uh, be well-produced enough and efficiently produced enough, um, you know, while being driven by the profit motive. And that's going to fix everything. That's it's, – it's A, no, it's not going to happen. And B, it's incredibly lazy anyway, even if by some miracle it were, it were to happen. I don't think it's healthy to just wait around for it. To my mind, what's needed is, I mean, A, a level of international cooperation that has never been seen <laughs> before – and would need to be rebuilt, almost like some sort of global communism. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that. And, um, I mean, that's a, a level of cooperation we haven't really seen. Uh, and also a real reorientation of our relationship with these things, these things mm-hmm. that, you know, we're so used to, uh, like you said, Rob, getting a certain level of uh, frictionlessness from in our lives. Like, we may have to... St- we may at some point have to just have to start sacrificing things, which is like the hardest thing of all for like Western society to think about doing. Well, on that note, if we had solar powered laptops, <laughs> that, that that would be a move in the right direction, I think, because every time it rained, nobody could work. And yeah. then uh-huh. we could then we could overthrow the government. Yes. <laughs> with our ex with the spare time. Yeah, exactly. Actually, what legitimately my favorite um, idea for powering laptops is the one laptop per child uh, hand crank method. Have you guys seen videos of this? I have not. It took them like 20 years to build this laptop that has a crank in it, but there's no like external power. You just wind it up. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. Yeah. It's a bit ableist. Yeah. It is, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. Get it out of here. No one gets laptops. I think, yeah, to infuse some hope, though, I think... Uh, you know, it's not all wildfires, even though it is, um, and <laughs> and smoke. I love our version of hope. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I, you know, it, and I mentioned this at the beginning when we we're talking about the the coin with the B. Um, but you know, the whole kind of question of economic arbitrage. It's not to say that we shouldn't be encouraging um, various jurisdictions to develop, all, like you know, incentive mechanisms to encourage technology to get greener, if you will. But I think it's being thoughtful about the types of arguments we make as people who are kind of working in an industry um, interested in kind of developing technological solutions towards those ends. Meaning that you know, don't use kind of non like just engage a little bit, right? If you're a developer. If you're an engineer, just like think critically about how you can use AI or machine learning to do something that benefits the environment. And there are tons of examples of this. Like, um, you know, I can think of someone I know who lives in Vancouver Island who works for, um, you know, machine learning, a company that does machine learning where they actually like put that type of technology into buoys to kind of get data from water about aquatic processes. Isn't that amazing? Like, that's the shit that we should be. But like that stuff isn't sexy. Nobody cares. 
Can you imagine a keynote? Oh, dolphins are pretty hot. <laughs> I'm not stepping into that one. Yeah. <laughs> but I, like, I think that's part of it is maybe, you know, is giving a platform to people who are actually doing work um, that is at the intersections of, you know, ecology and technology. And I, I think you raise a really good point. I mean, we've spent the entire episode now dunking on consumer technologies, mm-hmm. essentially. But yeah. I think, um, you know, technology automation um, are probably being put to really good use sort of in the bowels of industry and yeah. the regulatory world, right? Like, and I think that if we're going to see um, uh, broad-based improvements in uh are the ecology of the planet um, that come from technology, it's going to be there. It's not going to be from like a fully cardboard iPhone or something. I, I agree. And I think there's a lot of work being done on kind of the legislative side of things, um, at least in British Columbia, um, with regards to this stuff. And it's just a matter of, I guess, you know, for every article that I see about Boring or Tesla, and yeah, we're, we're really hating on them today. Um, it'd be great to see one about someone doing some cool shit with the environment. Am I like the only one? Like, <laughs> oh, it's it's just really weird, and it makes my skin I mean, itch to <laughs> hear optimism on this show. <laughs> well, I mean, the problem, morale, is that you're hoping that the the fourth estate will swing in and do its job, but it's also had its legs cut off. So, yeah, you know, well, the, the clickbait economy, man, it doesn't like the dolphins. On that note, wow. if you liked this show, um, please subscribe, <laughs> rate us five stars on, on iTunes. <laughs> Our email address, if you have any questions, we really want to do a mailbag episode, admin at hacks.fm. I am Rob Scherf, at R-G, Scherf, S-C-H-E-R-F, on Twitter. This is... My name is uh, Moral, and you can find me on Twitter at at Snootlet, S-N-O-O-T-L-E-T. Okay, can I ask about the origin of that name? Oh, this is a good one. Yeah, um, so there was an essay by David Foster Wallace, um, the now deceased author, uh, in which he describes someone who's like an obnoxious know-it-all um, as a snootlet. And I guess it was like a little pet name that, um, I forget the story actually, but I think his mother used to call him and his sister snootlets like because they were just like always... Just the worst. There was like figuring out oh anagrams. Oh my God, little, little DFW must have sucked. Yeah, and um, I forget where it came from but a few people start calling me that (laughs) (laughs) that's a great origin story yeah about 10 10 15 years ago and so it just stuck it was a nickname and i didn't realize that they were maybe being um hurtful when that started (laughs) no you weren't being bullied it was all it was which is ironic since you were supposed to be so smart of course will demand like some form of bullying. So that's that's the origin. Yeah. Snootlet. Find me on Twitter. I, I don't know how to log in all the time. Okay. We also have Rosemary. <laughs> yeah. My, my uh, origin story is R-O-S-E-M-H-E-A-T-H-E-R um, at, on Twitter. At Twitter.com? <laughs> that's that's your email page, right, Rosemary? Yeah. It's my, it's my Twitter ha- handle or whatever you want to call it. Okay. It's my, yeah. Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, and uh, I'm on Twitter at Hollow Minds, which is an anagram for my name. Oh. Ooh. So you are also a snootlet because you like anagrams. You know, don't get me into your snootlet clan, all right? I want no part of it. <laughs> yeah, I think I might change my handle at some point, but I don't know to what. I need another bully. Listeners, write in. <laughs> yeah. What should... <laughs> Childhood bullying trauma? I was an adult when this happened. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that doesn't mean it can't be traumatic. I think, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it wasn't it wasn't traumatic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, Great. that's thanks for listening. Thanks. This is my bit, Rob. Thanks for doing all the plugs, Rob. No problem. And uh, I got one more, which is that in the week or so after this episode goes out, uh, we will be launching the algorithm newsletter, uh, which is another thing that I'm not going to explain right now, but it's going to be on hacks.fm. You'll see it. If the idea interests you, you should sign up. And uh, I'm not going to say anything else about that right now. So, woo. All right. Go team. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye.